0: abrei mera navera bana ber abai sai bor khatwa מלך namelai no mela khoilom bai rei pri hagofen מלך khatwa du namelai no mela khoilom asagil shone be mit zweisag brotsabone we shabas kot Welcome to In Review, the podcast where either one or both of us have not seen the film we are about to watch. I'm Ryan. I'm Jesse. And today, listeners, you have voted. Uh, If you recall, our uh, plan, our dastardly plan for a listener vote uh, episode was we wanted to pick any film. Well, we picked three out of the air. But the the theme for this film was uh, a, a movie based on a true story. True story. Which, as we started digging around for them, we could not find a lot of movies that were based on a true story that either one or both of us had not watched. Right. We've definitely seen a lot more than maybe we thought. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were also some where it's like, uh, I mean, do we really want to watch My Left Foot? Right. Some of them you're like,
1: eh, this is... mm." But as far as level of importance, especially like in cinema and pop culture... There were a few that ended up sticking out.
0: Yeah, you know, I was really hoping that you, you know. had never seen The Rookie. Right. That was a great one. Because that's, I feel like that is like the sleeper movie based on a true story that not a lot of people have seen, but it's good. Or, you know, like, okay, so favorite movies that were based on a true story. I mean, you got Cool Runnings with that, John yeah. Candy. Brilliant. Um, Miracle. Did you ever see Miracle? I did. Kurt um, Russell. Yeah, I mean, that was so cool. Yeah, it was like a real-life Mighty Ducks. It was a real-life Mighty Ducks, yeah. Miracle on Ice. It's like arguably one of the most classic sports moments in sports history. Yeah. There is Chariots of Fire. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Yes. Okay. It's been a while. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Yes. Go Vangelis. Okay. She... That was Vangelis? Yeah. Like Blade Runner Vangelis? Blade Runner Vangelis. He also did the Chariots of Fire* theme. Yeah, that is something I did not know. Yeah, learned something sin- new. That synthesised
1: music—that was his jam. Awesome, right? It's awesome.
0: <laughs> okay, what other movies based on a true story did we go through? And oh, little known one: *Operation Dumbo Drop*. Oh yeah, you remember that movie? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I had to like pull that one out of the recesses of my brain, dude. Just right now. It's funny. <laughs> Because every time you say, it, well, not every
1: one of these, but like there's a trend. Disney is huge on the
0: stuff. Like I want to say, Iron Will, Iron Will, either that, that or White true. Fang. No, Iron. Was it White, White Fang's based on uh, a Jack London? That's right, Jack London. Uh, but Iron Will is based on true story. True
1: story. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny too. I can't really. This is where I I, I falter because I can't remember this 100. percent But I do remember as a kid learning. When a movie was based on a true story, that it was a lot more accurate as far as what you what you saw historically versus inspired
0: by a true story. That is true, but still, I mean, based on a true story, they still take some liberties. Yeah, for you sure. Know, you have to,
1: because mm-hmm. even like Hexxer Ridge
0: is based on a true story. You know, I met that guy. No real, way. The real the 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 the, the, the guy that the movie is based off of. Really. Hmm. Um very weird long story but um the the cliff notes of it is essentially my best friend's father was a purple multiple purple heart recipient and for the first time in the history of the united states they were actually putting the purple heart on a postage stamp and so they invited every purple heart recipient that was alive to mount vernon to celebrate it wow and uh so he got to go and he he brought me and his son with him and uh we got to meet these Medal of Honor recipients, and he was one of them. And like, I was like, I don't know, like 11. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't very, like, I wasn't like fully aware. You know right. The, the, the so, yeah. The he, weight of it all. Oh, yeah. But I just remember his dad telling us like multiple times, like, when we meet someone, like, you are in the presence of actual heroes. Yes. Like, you don't, like, these people. You like, look up to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, now every once in a while, I hear a name and I'm like, I feel like I've, Where I met that guy, and then like I look and like oh, I go on Wikipedia like oh he's alive. Ah, I I met him at that thing Uh with the stuff. Oh (coughs) man, that's that's incredible. Yeah,
1: that's That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I I mean I would have been right there with you at that age. I would have been like hey cool thanks guys. Proud
0: Virginian like myself though. Guys yeah. from Virginia. Anyways, we're. Um, I do this. Braveheart is technically based on a true story. Right. But any Englishman will tell you that it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not a lot is actually known of William Wallace. So right. clearly, Mel Gibson had to take some liberties. Right. But Mel Gibson likes based on a true story type of.
1: Yeah. And he did. Yeah. That Passion of the Christ. He did yeah. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. He's definitely. It's definitely in his wheelhouse to, to take from life.
0: Yeah. And 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 work on it. Yep, I think he does it well. I feel but, like yeah. we, didn't we pull up a list originally of uh, like what, what, what the top based on true story yeah. movies were? And I feel like we just started kind of like oh that's great. We both have seen that right. We kept going <laughs> like uh,
1: oh yeah. Have you seen this one? Of course I've seen this one. And then you're like well shoot you know Black Hawk Down.
0: Oh yeah, Black Hawk Down. Hotel Rwanda is amazing. Um, Social Network and Into the Wild. I love that. Um, Paul 13. Houston, we have a problem. Right. Uh, one of your favorite movies? Catch, catch Me If You Can. Amazing. I uh, Love it. 127 hours. I can do without watching. From I've seen it, but um, right. James Franco. I don't know why you wanted to make a film about a guy breaking his arm. Yeah. That's Interesting. PnS was beautiful and mind blowing in the fact that like he literally starved himself for that role, which is
1: nuts. Yeah, when people do that, like Christian Bale did that in The Machinist mm-hmm. and it was insane. Mm-hmm. Like, another level. Yeah, I don't know how. It's crazy. But yeah, uh Bonnie and Clyde. Classic. Classic,
0: right there. Definitely a fan. My wife and I actually saw the car that um, Bonnie and Clyde were in when they got shot up. They had it in a museum in D.C. It just riddled with bullet holes. Wow. That was that was interesting. That's cool. The blind side will make you cry if you've never seen it. That's true. Unless you don't have a soul, then you won't cry. Right. Um, Dude, the King's Speech. Colin Firth is probably
1: best film. Yeah, him and Jeffrey Rush and Helena Bonham Carter, all of them,
0: amazing. Killed it. Amazing people. Ray was actually really good, too. Um, uh, Jamie Foxx actually wore contacts that made him blind on set. He's a method actor. Yeah. And so he purposely made himself blind while on the set so that he would have to feel around a little bit more and everything. That's crazy. Yeah. And
1: All the President's Men. That's a great one. Yeah, I guess. I'm not a Redford fan. No.
0: I I like like the
1: Sting. The Sting was good. Yeah. But also Dustin Hoffman. And he's, I love Dustin Hoffman. That man's incredible. The Graduate's great movie. Obviously, that's
0: not based on true story. No.
1: No. But yeah, um, well, it's kind of funny. A lot of them are a lot more recent things, like um, American Sniper and uh, the Fighter, and a couple of things like that. Mm-hmm. There's a it, there really is a whole lot of there's a lot of films out there that are based on a true story. But mm-hmm. we we did have to dig a little deeper and find stuff that was maybe more than a few years old. Yeah, and ones you know?
0: ones that we both hadn't seen exactly. Because it was pretty much like we could take the whole gamut for ones where one of us had seen the movie. Exactly. If both of us hadn't seen it, at least one of us had. Yeah. It's and So we we led to the conclusion that the three movies that we had not seen together that we allowed you guys to vote on were The Right Stuff, um, and Schindler's List. Yes. Well, I was really hoping we wouldn't watch Schindler's List because I know what it's about and I don't want to watch it because it's sad. Well, yeah,
1: but I'm not... <laughs> Out of all the other ones It's kind of funny So like we looked at We got a few votes I, I will say I don't remember Seeing too much About The Right Stuff I did see Ed Wood But overwhelmingly It was Schindler's List Oh It was Schindler's List Like by far
0: There, there was There was actually A vote for The Right Stuff Oh okay yeah I had a friend of mine who Right was like Listen The Right Stuff is awesome How have you not seen The Right Stuff Right Which I am really big in the space When I was a kid I wanted to be The first person on Mars that was my life goal oh really yeah huh. and then when i decided that i didn't want to be a pilot because i had crappy vision that kind of all went up in smoke and mm-hmm. I had to make a new vision for myself but anyways yeah so i was obsessed with like the mercury missions and the apollo missions as a kid wow i mean you know we grew up with apollo 13 sure. as well so I yeah. mean it was a thing we i had the you remember in apollo 13 when they were like really promoting it you could get the Pog holder that was a Saturn V rocket. Oh man, I had that no. and all the components. Wow. Yes, I was I was uber. That's upset. amazing. Yeah, dude. That
1: that was that was my life. That's incredible. I wanted to be a pro baseball player. That was the that was the dream in the beginning.
0: And look at you now. I know. I can still
1: kill it out there <laughs> on the on the baseball diamond, on the sports ball play, on the sports playing pitch. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know all the terms. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. All those all those things, but I love it.
0: Schindler's List, so what do you know about it?
1: So I know Spielberg directed this, and uh, I do remember one of the, it a strange memory, but I just remember when it came out, I believe my mom and dad saw it, and I was like, can I go? And they were like, absolutely not, because I was so young. And then we get... <laughs> Like, my mom and dad get back from it. <laughs> and my dad was like, your mother did not stop crying the whole time. And so I was just like, why would you go see a movie that does that to you? And now I'm super excited to see it. I know that this was like a passion project for, for, for Steven too. This was something that, like, he really wanted to do. But they were like, well, uh, if you do this favor for us and all that, then you know we'll maybe let you make this. Yes.
0: Well, So there are three things that are really important that I think that, uh, that we should bring up. Before we get into it, that I think will kind of set the tone because I think it shows how much Spielberg wanted this story to be told and he wanted it to be done well. And he actually didn't even think he was the right man for it originally. Mm. So the movie itself, first of all, Spielberg did not make a dime off of it. He did not, he, he, he did not take a wage for, make, for the making of this film. Right. Um, he wanted to do it out of respect. And uh, his money went to the Shoah Foundation, which is for Holocaust survivors. Yes. Then um, he didn't think that he was the right one to direct it. And so he actually tried to get others to make it for him. Roman Polanski was originally pulled for it, but Roman was already working on the pianist. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. And because Roman's mother was an Auschwitz uh, survivor. Oh wow. Um, and then after that, um, he actually uh, reached out to Martin Scorsese for assistance in it. Mm. Yeah. I could see that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, of course, why wouldn't you ask him? But I'm sure he was probably in a project as well. And if not, then I'm sure that he was just like,
0: this is kind of a big topic to tackle. As you will see. The Scorsese was already starting to produce it when Spielberg was on the set of Hook mm. and had an epiphany that he was meant to actually do it. So he had a change of heart. And as a, hey, I'm sorry, I'm actually going to do this, he gave Scorsese Cape Fear. Oh, well, Isn't that so, interesting? Wow. Universal was so nervous about Spielberg actually making this film too that they wanted to do another blockbuster before they did it. Mm. What the blockbuster was. Think about what year this movie came out. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Yep. Knew it. So it was a gamble for Universal. So they, they wanted to make sure they made some form of money. So they're like, you know what? Do this blockbuster for us. And we'll let you do Chandler's list, right? And so he he did he's done it before in the past where he will do crap, like a film that he's like
1: sure okay fine, fine,
0: but I want to really do this movie, <laughs> right? And so here we are, Yeah, that Chandler's list, yeah.
1: I I know too because of like doing Saving Private Ryan and all these things. I remember watching interviews and behind the scenes, like when DVDs first came out and started to have special features. My brother and I would pour through them all the time being amateur filmmakers and you know a, you know learning to act and Spielberg talked about like everything he did and how much he would you know use practical effects you know when he could kind of thing and just i just remember him even talking about making like a war film when he was a kid and he would just have like a ruler in the dirt like on a like, but angle it in such a way that, like, when somebody walked by, they would just flip it, and the dirt would come out of the ground. It would look like a, a bomb went off, and I was just like, "Oh, that's such a great idea!" <laughs> so, like, he's always been an inspiration to me, even for those little small things. And then, of course, he goes and does like giant blockbusters, and then something like this, which I can't wait to see.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really fully understand what the movie's about, but just for the fact that it's about the Holocaust means it's going to be difficult for me to watch.
1: Yeah, me, um,
0: me too. I mean, I am no
1: illusions that this is going to be an emotional
0: Oh, yeah, journey. for sure. But, I mean, he's got Liam Neeson in it, so I'm, I'm excited about it. So, it won uh, multiple Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Music Score. Thank you, John Williams. Mm-hmm. Best Writing Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design. Um yeah, there was, was nominated a nom- for a bunch more. Oh yeah, I didn't even know Ralph Fiennes is in this. Yeah, Ralph I mean, Fiennes. Was- I know that's how it's spelled, but it's Rafe Fiennes. Anyways, I liked him in Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah, he's he great, fantastic. One last thing about the Holocaust. Um, Liz, my wife, and I actually lived in DC for a handful of years, and um, we, whenever someone would come and visit us, they always wanted to go to the museums. And with, if they had never been to D.C. before, the number one museum you must see in in Washington, D.C. is the Holocaust Museum. Right. And um, they would always go, like, hey, like we're going to go see the Holocaust Museum on this day. And we would just give them the Metro card and say, go have fun. Like, go to it. We'll meet up with you later because it's such a buzzkill. Sure. And even as, like, even, like, going through it, like, you know, the fifth, tenth time, you can't help. But just have your heart ripped apart when you go through it, because I mean they had, I mean there's a. Have you ever been? No, I'm not. So there's a room, and I'll show you a photo of it. But essentially, like you hit the second floor, and you smell leather, and when you turn the corner, it's all these children's shoes. Ugh. Oh. I mean everywhere, and they're they're like two feet high piled, and they're um. Their shoes of children that they made take off their shoes before they brought them into the gas chambers, um, and 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 it's such an emotional punch, and you know it's purposely placed in that in that spot for reason specifically so that it hits you in such so hard and, and and such like a very like this actually happened, this is real, this is what it looks like, so that you can't ever forget, so that it won't ever happen to somebody again. Yeah. And I would assume, based on Spielberg's past and, and 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 how hard it was for him to want to even do this movie, um, I would assume that that he's trying to also then hit a really hard punch with this as well. So mm-hmm. that the phrase of the Holocaust Museum and survivors always pushes "never again, never again, never again." Um, right. And so I would, I, I'm I'm hoping that um you know that emotion comes across. Obviously, everyone loved it. I mean, it was a beautiful film. So right. We're, so. we're over our time, though. And I'm like, no, you're I'm, like, like, put away, let's put a wet blanket on it now.
1: So. Right. I know. I'm like, there's so much more to say. But yeah, it's like we just have to get into the meat of it. And then we can, then we can go over Because there's some other stuff I want to share, too. But yeah.
0: OK. So uh, based on a true story, Schindler's List is Steven Spielberg's epic drama of World War II Holocaust survivors and the man who unexpectedly came to their savior to be their savior. Unrepentant womanizer and war prophet here, Oskar Schindler, uses Polish Jews as cheap labor to produce cookware for the Third Reich. But after witnessing the violent liquidation of the walled ghetto where the Krakow Jews had been forced to live, Schindler slowly begins to realize immense evil of Nazism. When his employees are sent to work camp, they come under terrorizing reign of sadistic Nazi Amon Guth. With the help of his accountant, Ishtak Stern, Schindler, creates a list of essential Jews. Bribing Ghosh, Schindler manages to get 1,100 people released from the camp and brought to the safety of his munitions factory in Czechoslovakia. Spielberg's glorious film is wondrously evocative, visually stunning, and emotionally stirring. So, um, it's only going to be about 30 seconds for y'all, but it will be a solid three and a half hours for us. It's going to be a long one. Um, So, we will... uh, kick back, watch Schindler's list and come back to you with our thought. Stay tuned. Welcome back to In Review. We have just finished watching Steven Spielberg's 1994 Schindler's List. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, it was
0: was a buzzkill. Well... I
1: mean,
0: you can't imagine there being I, a
1: wonderful, happy storyline considering.
0: Yeah, well, I am the, the funny guy better. in this podcast, and it's going to be very difficult to find any humor in any of it. it's not. It's, there was definitely I laughed at one okay, point. Well, still, it's not a funny movie.
1: Well, no, that's true. But when when Amon is just drunk out of his mind, and he just sits down, like falls on his butt, falls. You're like, oh, finally something. But that was the only... It's I almost had
0: to laugh. Ray Fine ha- can make himself have a very punchable face very easily. Yeah.
1: God, oh, man. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Okay, so favorite scene? So my favorite scene... God, there's, there's a handful, but I want to say Liam Neeson really brought it especially at the very
0: end. That at the end, when he starts talking about how he could have saved more. I could have got more. I could have got more. I don't know I just,
1: I could have got more. Asuka, there are 1,100 people who are alive because of you, look at them. Like when he finally th- realized. Exactly, because it, it's such a huge moment because, of course, Ben Kingsley is phenomenal too, having them both in it, especially together. Gandhi. Yeah, Gandhi shows up. <laughs> but, like, they give him the ring, and then Ben Kingsley, you know, as Shtad uh, uh, says to him It's Hebrew from the Talmud. It says, Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. It's from the Talmud. It says that whoever saves one life saves the world over time. And it just triggers him.
0: So we actually just came back uh, into the podcast. So you'll notice a little bit of a sound difference between what you've just been listening to and what you'll be listening to now. Two main reasons. First reason being my daughter is was crying <laughs> We were trying to finish it, it was really late and we were doing the episode. Bless our heart. Oh, so sweet. The second reason being the main reason, which is um this movie's a very hard movie to stomach. And it's all it takes a lot to process. It really does, man. It's, it's it's
1: it's like hyper real. Like it feels you feel it the whole time.
0: So there's a story about this movie that I read about after the fact, after watching it and before we came back to it, where Spielberg had not finished all the recording, and he had a rough cut. And he, of course, went to John Williams, to ask him to score this. And John Williams watched the whole film with Spielberg, and actually had to excuse himself from the building. Right. And he told Spielberg, "You need someone better. Like you need you, need. you deserve someone better." Right. And he and Spielberg responded with, "Yeah, I do, but they're all dead." Right. And. Um, I mean, I think because it, it hit him to the core. Because, I mean, the movie has so much weight. There's no yeah. way that you can get past this movie without feeling your heart ripped out of your chest. Pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's, it was so... I do remember this,
1: too, especially um, because of the subject matter and the, the crew and the cast being in this in this world for as long as they were. It was so... Heavy, depressing, and all that. That they had to, like Spielberg, had to bring in Robin Williams
0: to tell jokes on set. Right. That's a really cool part of it all, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not cool. It's sad that you have to bring, you have to do that, but, you know, apparently Robin Williams does a really good German impersonation. So I would have loved to have seen that.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
0: So right before we cut, we were talking about our our favorite scenes, which. Mm. Yes. Again, we have to skirt around some issues because this is the Holocaust we're talking about. So it's not saying that... We love this. Right. It's yeah. <laughs> just more so, artistically speaking, or from the film itself, our favorite parts of the movie. Right. Um, so you had started with talking about... Schindler and his breakdown. At the
1: very end. Yes. Incredible, powerful, moving...
0: Amazing acting. Yeah.
1: Um, from a nearly, like, no-name Liam Neeson at the time. Yep
0: the whole movie comes straight to a crashing like scene right then, right? Because you have this German who is a member of the Nazi party yep. to a German who realizes, hey, maybe what we're doing isn't right to a German going, this is definitely not right and I'm going to do everything I can to stop it to a German going and realizing almost immediately that I might die because of my association with the Nazis regardless of what I've actually done to try and stop it. But I don't care and oh by the way i wish i could have done more right like so i mean
1: yeah the 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 it's a it's a natural swing too because watching his time this doesn't happen in like a year no it was like it, a 10 year period yeah it took a very long time so it's one of those things that's even easier to relate to because when you watch movies everything happens so quickly even in the in the timeline in the movie, where it's like six months, and suddenly you know it's Scrooge becomes the happiest man in the world, and you know like immediately. But this took it took this man nearly ten years or so, whatever, for his heart to soften mm-hmm. and to ch- and to see the change and, and realize what he was doing was so very important it's and just, how valuable li- human human life is.
0: I mean, that's the thing, right? Because it went from a loyal German. To questioning his loyalty to something that is evil. I thought he was Polish. I think he joined the Nazi party. Five yeah, that numbers. might be it. That might be yeah. it. But, but I get the point. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But still, it's that question of loyalty and really where do you stand? And right. When the moment comes, what are you actually going to stand for? And I mean, so that was your favorite scene. Mm-hmm. Now, my favorite scene, it's not favorite like, oh, you know. <laughs> I have to say that again because I, I don't want say, people don't, to, I don't want to piss people off.
1: You can you're fine.
0: Okay. You're not saying this part made me happy.
1: If you said that, I'd be like I think uh... the
0: the 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 most well-done part is when all the women are in Auschwitz and they take them into the showers. Oh and every person who has learned anything about the holocaust knows what happens in the showers mm. they they allude to it earlier on in the in the movie even talking about how if you go to the shower you're going to get gassed before they even have the girls go into the shower and everything it's a it's a scene like 10 minutes before that scene where you were watching mothers and children and older men go to the showers and you know they're all going to die and it's like the Germans are laughing and joking about it so oh. it just pisses you off early yeah. and then they go in and you're like surely he's not going to show this right. and then you know they lock the door and you hear the the hissing and everything and you're like oh god are you kidding me like oh and then all the lights go off and it's dark but you can still hear everything oh yeah and then it's just them actually getting a shower yeah like that devousing was devousing them yeah uh, man, the the, the the tension. I mean, Spielberg has always been good about tension. The whole oh, D Day yeah. landing scene in St. So Private Ryan. St. Ryan
1: is incredible. The, the yeah. tank
0: rolling across the bridge at the end of St. Private Ryan. I mean, you could go tension, There's, tension. Yeah. I mean, Jaws, we talked about building tension. Yeah, the whole Jaws, Jurassic Park. All I mean, that, that yeah. just two and a half minute scene. The level of intention—I mean, it was—you saw it. I mean, both of us were like cringing uncomfortably. Yeah, both of us going like saying out loud, "We're like no, no." no. (laughs) (laughs) It was like it was pretty much like okay, dude. Like I, like I lived in DC for a while. I've been to the Holocaust Museum multiple times. I've know the horrors and the atrocities that happened. I understand that. Look, look, you—you have to. You can't. This is a subject that I'm so very thankful that he did not. Pat it. Make it soft. Right. Like, he just, look, here is a pile of poo. And you need to see it as a pile of poo so that you understand that this should yeah. never, ever happen again. Yeah. This is the reality. Right. But I was just like, please, 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 please. You've already illustrated what goes on yeah, there. Yeah, we get it. We, we, <laughs> we give me, I just need just a little ounce of relief. And he, he, did, he did give it, but it was at a very hard cost before oh. you see that part happen. Oh gosh, man. I I think I held my breath for way
1: too long and then when that happened, I was like, "Oh god. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus." Like it was so
0: <laughs> This is one of those movies that's like um it's like Passion of the Christ. It's like if you have it on your bookshelf, you know, with all your other movies, you're like, "Okay. You have it up there because you appreciate film." Yes, but no one is going like, "Hey, honey, grab the popcorn, let's watch Schindler's List." It's true. It's not like, "Yeah, let's uh, get some hot cocoa and snuggle up and watch some some Schindler's List." Yeah, I mean, like, no. like I had, I told my wife, this is one of those movies that, like, when my my daughter is, you know, a, a teenager, yeah, she needs to watch. She needs yeah. to understand that this was something that actually happened. Yeah, and it's a good padded environment to where you know what if it's too much for her to handle we can stop it and she doesn't have to go further but she needs to know this is something that actually happened yeah and um you know i mean at the holocaust memorial they there's a sign that says like never again like yes and and it's a you know it's just like that's the purpose behind all this is so that generations will no longer pat it down or ignore it or act like it never happened right people need to know the stark reality of it
1: yeah in fact my one experience um, when I was going to college years and years ago. Did we, you get like a survivor to talk? We There There were two Holocaust survivors That's that cool. came and spoke. And it was heartbreaking and unbelievable mm-hmm. to, to hear things that happened to them and what they witnessed and how they got through what they got through. It was, I mean, unbelievable.
0: My great-grandfather is a tailor, or was a tailor, and uh, he's Italian. And he... Come, came to America from Italy, and um, uh, he used to. So he would tailor, right? But they would also do like laundrette, like laundromat. Like, they mm. would cl- um, what's the word? Like dry cleaning. basically yeah, they Dry take, cleaning. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and after World War II, my grandfather hired survivors, like basically helped them get citizenship in America. Oh wow! And so, like, my grandmother told used to tell me stories about like. uh when she was younger and she didn't really fully understand like they had like you know their numbers tattooed on their arms and everything oh. and so she never really understood that but um she always talked about how nice they were to her and everything but they're always very quiet and kept to themselves yeah man but i thought that was kind of cool yeah it's nice to know that my grand, my great-grandfather you know he cared like that's that's they that's, took them in that way and yeah try to give them a better living it was cool that's
1: incredible so, yeah. And with all, with all that being said, I, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the finer points as far as, like, cinematography <laughs> and stuff.
0: Okay, so The Red Girl, The Girl in the Red Coat. Yeah. That part is a turning point for Schindler. Mm-hmm. So when they're... they're um, I don't remember the German word that they gave it. Um, it's not Kristallnacht. Um, I can't remember what they called it. But yeah, when they're, when they're uh, wrangling people up in the ghetto... And move transitioning to, to concentration camps. Right. And they're like, you know, people are fighting not to leave their houses and everything. And instead of like, okay, cool, you're going to resist me. I'm just going to shoot you. Um, and Schindler is up on the hill with his, you know, his flavor of the week on the horses. And right. And he's watching the little girl in the red coat basically yeah. slip through. And in the middle of all this chaos, this little girl who represents innocence. It's the only color the yeah. movie um, slip through the hands of the Germans and hi- get, get the hide. Yeah. It's one of those things where I
1: think watching that too it's because it is in black and white obviously it's it's very intentional and, and making you see like good versus evil and then seeing something uh, stir some hope up in him, or seeing something that he didn't like, you know, that that innocent girl, like you're saying, yeah, like he's, it, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting when you do something like that because it's a very deliberate choice. It's not like, yeah, let's
0: just try this out. It's a focal point. Yeah, it's supposed to show you that in the midst of the chaos, this was what Schindler was focusing on. Yeah, he was watching that little girl? It's, you know, but then again, Schindler, not Schindler, Spielberg completely dashes it away at the end Mm -hmm. and she you see the red coat in the pile of all the the discarded clothing before they get killed yeah in the chambers right and so it's like it's incredible so you get it mean so for him it it was it was the influence point for him to try and do something that was a trigger that was something that where he was like okay this is a sweet young innocent girl right but then they also illustrate on the other hand that like Even when it's something that's so innocent and pure, in this scenario, Mm -hmm. I can't let it survive. I have to show you that this was the reality of the situation. Yeah. Which is just, it's like, like I said again, it's just like scene after scene after scene. It just rips your heart out and gives you some semblance of humanity and just rips it out again. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's
1: funny because like watching it, there's, it's, there's handheld camera too. Not constantly, but especially in the scene that you're, uh, your you're, um the scene that you were pointing out, where they, all the ladies go in and the, the shower. Like well,
0: because they do a lot of point of view. Yeah. With the handheld, it's not like um, exactly not like uh, like a, a normal like Edgar Wright handheld where you're like you know you're running with the person. Or whatever. Exactly. It's, like that. It's, it's not
1: like we're just following them to keep up with them. It's like this is you are seeing through the eyes of these people. Yeah. And it's and it's very real because you know everything we watch is so clean and and a lot of it is as far as like showing you like the the camps themselves and mm-hmm. wide shots and angles and certain dialogue but when they really want you in there they they do it so well he does it so well.
0: Spielberg likes playing with a handheld from a point of view. It's almost like he can't get away from his childhood playing with an old super 8. Yeah. You know, cuz cause, cause he only really uses handhelds as a point of view. Right. Jaws he used it as the point of view as the shark. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, in Hook, he uses it as a point of view from Rufio when Rufio makes his entrance. Makes his entrance. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can, I can, I can just start pinpointing yeah. and pulling it. But I mean, I, but he only uses a handout from a. There was a. There was something else too that's very hard to uh, catch. But if uh, you've ever watched old school World War II newsreels, mm-hmm. the footage of all the Jewish people registering for the ghetto itself. Yeah, it looks. Very grainy and Mm -hmm. and when he uses the handheld it feels like those old war reels
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things too where um, Not every camera especially depending on the time with film cameras had like Stabilization like we know today Mm -hmm. in, in your cameras where there's like image stabilization So even if you have slightly shaky hands with like an iPhone right now, it looks totally clean and you're like Why is that? But they didn't have that, especially with that kind of stuff in, with film. So, like when you would run with it, you know, and those kind of lenses and stuff, it would you would create some kind of effects like that. Um, which is why they invented things like dollies and you know mm-hmm. rigs so that it wouldn't do that. Drags. Yeah. But for what you're talking about, it's 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 so intentional. He knows what he's doing. He wants you to be in there because that's another thing too. It, it when when you are in that point of view, whether you're running or whatever. Things aren't perfectly in balance.
0: I wonder why he did black and white. I'm certain there's probably some interview somewhere where he actually talks about utilizing black and white footage and why it was so important that he used it. I mean, there's probably the artistic quality, but I wonder if it is to try and put it back in that time period.
1: I think it dates it as far as like during that time, everything was black and white. Right. But the aspect ratio is not that. No. that Yeah. Because I know he would want to show off as much as he could. Right. You know because of the scope of it and everything, but I think that does help a little bit because, um, not to downplay this at all, but like The Great Escape is, you know, in color, and I wonder what that would be like in black
0: and white. It'd be a much darker film. Right? I love Great Escape, that's one of my favorite movies.
1: Yeah, it's a brilliant movie, but that's what I mean. Like, how how much does that shift your perspective? Like, if we watched Schindler's List in color, would it make things easier to stomach? Mm. Because
0: it's so much more lifelike. That's true. It's a good comparison, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if you remove the music, that the light-hearted music, and you put it in black and white, grayscape would be a completely different movie, right? So, I think it's an incredible choice,
1: and it's it's always a brave one because there's not a lot of movies that do that anymore. The last one that I remember, um, The Artist, The Artist, exactly, won um, Best Picture. Yeah, it was incredible and incredibly well done, and exactly what it needed to be, you know as far as being in black and white. But it's it's a very bold choice, especially nowadays, because most people shut off mm-hmm. when when you say that. They're like, oh, it's old, right? If it's black and white, no. Yeah. That doesn't, don't say that. Mm. Just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's not amazing. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's a very, very specific
0: choice. Yep, for sure. But, yeah. So. An incredible film, man. And they ended very well. Yeah, It was cool to actually show his grave. And then the, the survivors that survived because of him that were still alive. Yes. Laying,
1: laying rocks on his grave. It was beautiful. And having every actor with their corresponding, like the person that they portrayed. That was cool. It was brilliant. That and was even really like well ben, Bing Kingsley, you know, being Ishtak had uh, the wife because the He's man passed was... passed away. Yeah. And then at the very, very end, I was reading this, um, the last stone that gets put down mm-hmm. is from Liam, ne- Liam Neeson's hand. Oh really? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so, cool.
1: Every yeah, the the whole entire that was such a fitting tribute and it's almost I feel like that was a really fantastic thing to do because in a way it kind of takes you out of the story. Right, right. You suddenly are like this is, you know... Oh, well,
0: Like, not only did the Holocaust ad- happen, but this actually happened. Yeah, opened.
1: like, this is like a documentary, almost. It's yeah. It's like, it, cha- it shifts gears, but it doesn't take away from it at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. No, I think it adds more depth. I do, too. Because you're seeing, these are the faces of the people you just saw. Right. Portrayed. Because we, we easily, dis- you know, like, we... We can disassociate ourselves from like stuff when it's in film form. We're like, oh, that probably didn't really happen that way, right? Like, right. or interpreted. And yeah, yeah right. it's interpreted this way, blah blah blah. And you're like, that is them. This is what the you know. This is the hell they went through. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and what are you going to do about are. it? Yeah, yep. <laughs> like, yep. So yeah, absolutely
0: incredible, so, incredible film. So Spielberg, you're a genius. We that's knew that already. Yep. Yeah, um, we can call it yeah okay so uh well uh, fans of in review just want to let you know some things that are coming up obviously because of the time of this recording uh the oscar nominations have been announced so Mm -hmm. our next episode we will be talking about those oscar nods yep what we think of them a couple other interesting things uh the next film we will be reviewing is get out uh, because i wanted to do something more modern and jesse has yet to see that that's right so we'll talk about that next. After that, Jesse probably has something weird up his sleeve that he'll make me watch. <laughs> Maybe a Jim Jarmusch film. I don't know if I've seen a lot of those. Yeah, I have one. Okay. Anyways, this is... Oh, it, You know, I always forget this, but remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash InReviewPodcast on Twitter and Instagram with the tag at InReviewPodcast. Well, guys, this has been In review. I'm Jesse. I'm Ryan. And stay tuned for our next episode, Mr. Peel's. Debut film, Get Out. Yay. <laughs> you had to get me to laugh. <laughs>